week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. It is officially week number one in the National Crossing. Five games on tap, including Panther City visiting Vancouver, where Adam Charlemides and the New Look Warriors will try to get the job done. Plus, we give you our future award winners, why they or won't they make the playoffs, and of course, another round of box bets. All that more on OTCB. Good evening and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Cook, Dixon, airmails it wide. Loose ball to King, lost there by Charbonneau, 19 on 19. King spins off his man, short side. Scores, he's got four. Tough defense leads to offense, and I know it's Ryan Tarafenko who tickles twine here, Pete, but how about this? Loose ball picked up by Terrafanko. Luke Magnin's looking at the bench. He has nothing to do with the offense. Just wants to set that hard pick. Frees up just enough space for Terrafanko to get that shot off. Mark Matthews to church wide open in the slot. Scores! And it's in the kids to bed. Robert Church wins it in overtime. It's Berg handling for Stotts. Skips a pass. Crowley scores! With one second on the clock, it's assist number three for Austin Stotts, and they're spreading the love. Dave, you talk about swinging the ball side to side. This is picture perfect. A laser pass directly through the middle of the defense. And Jeff T catches and shoots all in one motion. You see it go from one side to the other now, taking right through the middle of the defense. Lee swings over, Williams in tight, McLaughlin denied by Vince. What a stop, and what a game from the legend, Matt Vince. The Bandits break the spell. Revenge over Colorado. It is officially, 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 game week and by the time you're hearing this the first game out there in Halifax is like 24 hours away what's going on everybody he's Pat Gregoire find him on Twitter at P Greggy I'm Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner the show this is the off the crossbar podcast it's at OTCB underscore podcast or on the instas at OTCB podcast holy crap I didn't think we'd get here my man but we are here are you excited for chowder or are you excited for the nest or are you excited for pizza corner? Like you got so many things to look forward to. Uh, is all of the above? Yeah. Uh, that, that, an is answer? A, that is a loud answer. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait, man. It, it is. Uh, it's, it's finally here. I said it last week. I'll say it again, man. The last two weeks have felt so long. The anticipation mm-hmm. for this season uh, but this is this is a massive year. This is a huge, huge year. You know, coming out of COVID, the the twenty, I guess it would have been twenty two season. You know, the mammoth year. Yeah. I thought that was one of the best seasons in in recent history. And then last year, just kind of one up that. Does this year have enough to upstage the last two years? I mean, with the unified standings, with you know Buffalo finally getting over the hump last year. Is, is this them going on their run? Will San Diego get over the hump? Can Halifax 
beat the boogeyman in their closet. That is the Toronto rock and the Toronto rock beat the boogeyman that in their closet, that's the Buffalo bandits. Yeah. Like, and, and I didn't even touch on Vancouver, the new age Vancouver, yeah. like their storylines galore. This is going to be such an awesome year and opening week. It, I would have, I would have loved to see more games, I think, but at the same time, it allows us to kind of focus in on each individual story for week one and then week two we just hit the ground running so i'm super stoked for it, it it's it, it's great that uh you know you and i get to to open up the week on tsn mm-hmm. with a back to back ahead double header on tsn um i'm fired up man i'm absolutely fired up yeah five games this weekend 10 of the 15 teams in action but i agree i think I think the unified standings really throws a wrench into everything. And as we were sort of prepping for this, I, a thought came into my head that has to be like, if, if I'm Dane Smith or I'm Tom Schreiber or I'm Jeff Teat or Randy Stats, you know, these guys face each other three, four times a year. And we all know the East is generally a more rough and tumble style of play where the West is generally fast-paced, free-flowing. Are some of those guys salivating and feasting on the idea that they don't have to slug it out two to four times against each other every year, knowing that they only maybe have to play Toronto once all season? Or, you know, Saskatchewan and Calgary don't have to play each other four times in a season. Do you think that cross has crossed the guys' minds knowing that how these unified standings are going to work? It's a great, great question because I think you can look at uh, at either way. I think uh, you know a team like Toronto is is probably excited that you know they don't have to play Buffalo two to three times or Rochester two to three hey. times, Halifax. But at the same time, now like Toronto's schedule, their travel is a lot yeah. more difficult than it's ever been. Um, a team true. like Rochester or Albany, maybe they're thinking like, hey maybe we use this as our to our advantage because teams are going to have to fly in and take a bus or whatever, whatever the, the travel situation may be. Maybe that's now um, a little more of a wrinkle for them. Um, I, I really do think that a lot of this goes into it, but at the end of the day, I think the big thing that everyone is saying is that, you know, you really can't piss away 60 minutes. No. Nope. Every game matters. And I know it always mattered. Like talk to Georgia on the, way that, so. the way they started their season off. Yeah. Um, that killed them. That cost them a, a spot in the playoffs. Um, you know, week one, it, it's on. It is absolutely on. Mm-hmm. And every single game matters. You, you can't be like, oh, well, it was just against a West opponent. Yeah. Playoff implications. It's okay. We didn't give one to a divisional rival. Well, there's no division and everyone's a rival. Everyone's battling for the same spots, which makes, yeah. I think, this even more intriguing and so much more difficult to kind of predict what mm-hmm. is going to come this season. Yeah, like that old saying, you can't you can't win a championship in December and January, but you could lose one. Really holds true now because yeah. if you shit the bed out of the gate, it's going to be really hard to climb back because – other than the what the three extra games, every game is a tiebreaker game, mm-hmm. and 
you lose one game. Now you're sort of technically half a game behind the team you just lost to. So it's, it is going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. And then of course, there's the thought of, you know, you could have an all East or an all West final. Hell, you could have an all East or all West semifinal. Um, it's just, it's crazy to think um, about what this season could hold. And you're right. I, I truly believe after the 22 season, after the 23 season, we're all like, man, that season was the best season ever. I, mm-hmm. I truly believe we're going to have another one of those seasons. And some news coming in today, Dane Smith uh, signed a new five-year deal coming off 132-point season. Um, the great Dane uh, is going to be all sorts of fired up. The mammoth signed John Phillips after he was released by Las Vegas. But were there any surprises in the rosters, we're obviously not going to break down every team. We'd be here for 17 hours. But is there <laughs> maybe one or two surprises or cool stories that kind of stood out to you uh, once these final rosters were announced? I think the big one for me was the the star power that we're seeing on the pop in the IR. Yeah. Very, I don't want to say concerning, but definitely some some caution that teams could, could you know, might be starting shorthanded. Mm-hmm. Um, you could easily talk about, you know, obviously there might be a little bit of fudging with, you know, putting guys on pop, getting yeah. an extra run, extra look at, at a player here and there, but like Schreiber going on the IR and maybe this is a good opportunity to kind of explain some of the things that we were told yeah. this week, Schreiber starting on the IR out of camp, he automatically has to sit out at least game number one. Yeah. For example, Dylan Ward, though, is on the pup. If he is okay and good to go by next week, he can play. Correct. Um, Cody Jameson, Randy Stotts, those guys were on the pup. Uh, but then there's other guys that are on the IR. Like we're, we heard, uh, we talked about it last week. Um, you know, Adam Bomberry could be out for the entire year or a good chunk of it. Bray Sweeting is out for the entire year. Yeah. So I don't know if this is necessarily um writing on the wall that maybe some of these guys are playing too much lacrosse they need a bigger break or is this just a a case where it's like you know they've been doing this for a long time it's not like they haven't is it just a lot of bad luck i don't know i I really don't know but to bounce off the the bandits injuries it it has with those injuries you know some of these GMs are very savvy, right? They, they use their rosters to, like you said, evaluate guys and and see what's going to happen next. And, you know, Buffalo's carrying three goalies on their active roster, Mm -hmm. Matt Vince, Devlin Shanahan, Kevin Orland, you know, those injuries have allowed them to open up an extra spot to see which of those two goalies maybe, will eventually be the backup earn that backup spot and then either get cut or put on the practice roster, but they got Constantinopolis on the PR right now. So I'm thinking that whoever wins that spot, the other guy is just going to get released. Cause I think they believe Constantinopolis, you know, down the road is a guy that they can have. And I believe he's fairly local. So again, GMs are using the roster to manipulate and allow themselves a little extra time. So that was one of the kind of things that stood out to me. The Calgary Roughnecks returned 19 guys. Crazy. The only new guys on their team 
on their active roster are Hogarth and why can't I think of the other guy now? Um, Hogarth and Hogarth and Hogarth and oh, Thomas Fella, the other guy. Um, you know, Anasio was injured, but he was still on the team. Literally, they brought back their entire roster of a team that went 13 and five and filled in Thomas Hogarth for Kyle Waters and brought in Thomas Vela, who, if you watch some of the Roughneck social media, earned his spot in that game in Moose Jaw on the active roster with a four point night. Got the game ball from Coach Sanderson after the game. Said a guy wanting to earn his spot, got his spot on this roster. Thomas Bell gave him the game ball. 4.9. Like, that's how you make a statement. That's how you make an impact and show the coaches that you want it. And I just thought that was a great story. Obviously, he came over in a trade. I think he was in the, the Hogarth trade. And, you know, had to earn that spot to be the fourth fourth lefty. So I just love those little stories. The, the Braden Lady uh, coming out of, of Poco and Kalen Mander coming out of Poco. Like those guys still have years of junior A lacrosse left and they're making active rosters. So um, a ton of great talent. Again, every year we say this across the National Lacrosse League just leads us to believe that you're right, Patty. This is going to be probably one of the greatest seasons in the NLL. And we just say that each and every year. Um this was another idea that I kind of thought in my head. I don't want to spend too much time on this because, again, we could literally go for hours on this. <laughs> but quickly, why they and won't they make the playoffs? We'll just alternate teams. Sure. And we'll just start in the East at what it was. Buffalo Bandits. Pat, why will they make the playoffs and why won't they make the playoffs? So they will make the playoffs because they are a wagon. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Offensively, they, uh, uh, you know, incredibly gifted. Defensively, they're mean, they're tough, uh, and they have a great goalie in Matt Vince. Pretty darn good one, if you ask me. They miss the playoffs if the injury bug does, in fact, bite them in between the pipes. Because last year we saw that they were the, – the the injury bug wasn't just biting. It was taking chunks out of them. Yeah. But they still managed – to to finish with that number one seat. So I think the only way they miss is if Matt Vince goes down with an injury, honestly. Uh, the Toronto Rock make the playoffs if they have three 90-point guys out the front door. I think Schreiber, if he and when he gets healthy, um, we all know what he can do. I think the fact that Corey Small is going to have another incredible year in that offense, and he's just going to continue to get better. I think he can put up massive numbers. And, you know, whether it's a Bushi or a Dan Craig, they've got some depth there, and they've got a lot of guys that can, that can shoot the rock and put the ball in it. So if they get three 90-point guys, I'll even give them 85-point guys, uh, they make the postseason. They don't, and I think this might be a recurring theme um, throughout this is if Nick Rose, if Nick Rose doesn't have a Nick Rose year or something happens to Nick Rose, um, 
Yes, Troy Holichuk is a great young up-and-coming goaltender. He's seen some minutes in the past, but it's just so hard in this league to replace a number one goaltender. So if if Nick Rose doesn't have a year or something happens to him, knock on wood that it doesn't, uh, that is why the Toronto Rock won't make the playoffs. Rochester Nighthawks, Patty. The Rochester Nighthawks will make the playoffs if Connor Fields replicates what he did last year. Uh, He took a step. And I, 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 I mean, a step isn't even the right way. He took a leap into a different level. Uh, if he can replicate that season, this team will find themselves back into the playoffs. They won't make the playoffs. Again, I, I, I will obviously, because I think it, it, you could say it for almost every team, yeah. the goaltending, but I'll go with something different. Okay. If Fields regresses and doesn't, have the type of season that he had last year, they are going to be in trouble. They handed the keys to him. They traded away Holden Katoni. This is his team. They're expecting big things, of course, out of a friend of the program, Thomas McCombie. Um, But this is his offense. He needs to have the same type of season, the the same type of start to the season as well, mind you, at that. Uh, And if if he doesn't, this team could be looking on the inside from the outside. Halifax Thunderbirds make the playoffs if their power play figures it out and they can be a top five power play team. It has been one of their Achilles heels Mm -hmm. the past couple seasons of how they can have all that talent on the floor, but they cannot find a consistent power play unit. Much of it has been over the years, rotating guys in and out, not keeping a consistent five-man unit. They can figure that out this year, and they can get to be a top-five power play unit. Uh, They are into the playoffs. They will not make the playoffs if Cody Jamison and or Randy Stotts is out for the foreseeable future. Uh, If they don't play more than half the games, uh, they will not be making the playoffs. This team just cannot do it without either of those guys. One of them, maybe. Both of them, not a chance. The Philadelphia Wings will make the playoffs if Zach Higgins and that defense can keep pace with the offense. I think it's evidently clear we know this offense is going to score goals. We know they have the talent. Look who they have. Mitch Jones, Ben McIntosh, Joe Rez, Blaze Reardon. The names go on and on. And, oh, yeah, they go out and pick up Holden Katoni. This offense is legit. They can put the ball in the net. Just look at the way the offense played after they acquired Mitch Jones. With that being said, though, the defense has to hold up their end of the bargain. And I think if they don't, a lot is going to be on the shoulders of Higgins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the Georgia Swarm will make the playoffs if Ryan Lanchberry has a breakout season. I think a lot of people expected more from Lanch in his rookie year last year, and we didn't quite get it. If he can be a compliment to Bomberry and Thompson on that righty shooter side, and you all know how I feel about Andrew Q this year, if Lanchbury can be a number five weapon and a true number five weapon, then I think this Georgia team makes the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs if Lyle Thompson doesn't hit the 90-point mark. If Lyle Thompson isn't that main righty threat, their offense takes a huge dip because we all know how much the ball tends to be in Lyle stick. And that's not a knock on him. He's one of the best players ever to do it. 
you're going to expect the ball to be in a stick. But if he's not producing, this offense won't produce, and this team will flounder. So Lyle needs to have another strong season. The New York Riptide will make the postseason if the acquisitions in the offseason from a defensive standpoint pan out, if those veterans are able to not only replicate what they've done in the past, but also take another step. Uh, you know, you know, they, they, they went out and they got veterans. They went out and got guys that have not necessarily have one chance. Some of them have won championships. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, Mitch wild, uh, they go out, they get John LaFontaine, both guys yeah. who have championship pedigree. Um, you know, they, they are a team that no doubt, again, they have a generational talent up front in, in Jeff T. He's going to get his 125 plus points. He might get more than that. He might get 130. He Hell, he might get 140. Who knows? <laughs> but they missed the playoffs. And I know I said I wasn't going to do this as a. As hey, a you're allowed note. to do it, man. It's our but show. You can do whatever you want. But it is, it is damn true because. If Cam Dunkerley doesn't prove that he's a legitimate number one, this yeah. team has zero chance of making the playoffs. Zero. But with that being said, all indications from training camp, all indications from that small sample size that we saw last year and at pretty much any other level that we've seen Dunkerley, I think he's got the stuff. I don't know if he's going to be an elite goalie, and I don't necessarily think he needs to be an elite goalie. He just needs to be sound. He just needs to be solid. And he can't allow those backbreaking goals time and time again, which has happened with this group over the last couple of seasons. The Albany Firewolves uh, jokingly will make the playoffs if their offense becomes monsters like in um, <laughs> Space uh, Jam. <laughs> um, but they will make the playoffs if both Doug Jameson and Alex Simmons are up for year-end awards. I like that. I think Alex Simmons could have a great rookie season. Um, we know that we all kind of feel that this offense might struggle. So they're going to need to have Alex Simmons really take over that offense and be the key cog. And if Doug Jamison can get back to MVP goal of the year type Dougie Jamison, then this team could go quite far because I do like this defense, but they don't make this playoff, the playoffs. If Colton Watkinson can't get that defense to play a 60-minute season or a 60-minute game each and every night. He is their new captain. He has to keep that group on pace and on task. And if they struggle out the back, this team will not make the playoffs. The San Diego Seals will make the playoffs if Westberg stays healthy. Simple as that. I think they they honestly should be able to cakewalk into the postseason. Whatever happens after that, who knows? They're loaded on the left side, but when you look at their depth chart on the right side, it is it is a little bit thin. And I think that if they can stay healthy, especially on that right-hand side, they are going to have absolutely no problems at all. Um and I think you could even put Curtis Dixon in that conversation. One of those two guys, let's say, as long as they stay healthy. Now, they miss, they miss playoffs if Chris O'Riglieri doesn't take that next step. If Chris yeah. O'Riglieri doesn't live up to that five-year deal in year number one. This team is championship caliber. 
electric offense, athletic defense. The key cog that is missing is clutch goaltending. Can he do that? Can he provide that for this team? It needs to happen for for that. And and if not, I do. I know they have a pretty good backup plan in Mike Poulin, uh, but Mike Poulin also took a full year off. It will take some time for him to get back. If they do have to use that plan as a a backup plan, but when you have to use your backup plan, <laughs> that's usually not a good thing. Calgary Roughnecks make the playoffs if Tyler plays. Hey, plays an 18 game schedule and gets into the 90 point mark only played 14 games last year had 74 points if he plays the full season this offense is a wagon and i believe that he can get to 90 plus points and if they do that he will make the playoffs they don't make the playoffs if uh christian del bianco just decides not to play lacrosse anymore <laughs> if he decides you know what i'm out I'm just going to build trucks and work construction with Frank Chiliano. That's the only way this team doesn't make the playoffs, in my opinion. End of statement. The Panther City Lacrosse Club will make the playoffs if Will Malcolm and John Donville continue to prove that they're two of the top elite young stars in this game. I think that obviously they have some great depth as well with Callum Crawford, Phil Caputo, Matthew Goche. But when you look at this team, those are the two straws that stir the drink. They need to be their best. They have to be the players that they are and that we saw last year. They miss the playoffs if they are exposed as fraudulent. (laughs) And by that, I mean... If you look at the teams that they beat last year, it was not very, uh, I'm trying to think of the word to say, complimentary, convincing, convincing, if you will. Las Vegas three times. Yeah. The Vancouver Warriors three times. Yep. Philadelphia. Saskatchewan. Yep. Albany. And Colorado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only playoff team that they did beat was the Colorado Mammoth. Uh, yes, sir. They have not been able to prove that when it comes to going up against the big dogs, that they can battle with them. They got smoked by the Seals. They lost two against Calgary late down in the stretch. Um, you know, they got bounced in the first round. Heck, even the, that Rochester team gave them a good licking early on in the year as well. I'm not saying they are fraudulent. I'm just saying they, it, with the new standings, with the new schedule, the way this works, you have to beat good teams. You got to find a way to beat top teams because you will not make the playoffs by just beating non-playoff teams. Won't happen. No, will not. Colorado Mammoth will make the playoffs if Warren Jeffrey continues to be a black hole and will be finally noticed and uh, honored and recognized as one of the elite defenders in the National Lacrosse League. They don't make the playoffs. Simple. If Dylan Ward's injury takes them into the new year, they do not make the postseason. The Saskatchewan Rush will make the playoffs if they 
score by committee. We know that bar down Bobby, he can score. He can score in bunches. Had 50 last year. He is going to be that number one righty. But we also know on the left side, this is a big opportunity for Ryan Keenan to take that next step, to be the number one, fill in that hole for Mark Matthews. What happens after that? Can Patrick Dodds get back to where he was in Panther City? Can Zach Manns look like the Zach Manns that we see in Nanaimo this past summer? What happens there? They miss the postseason if Frank Chiliano doesn't play like Frank Chiliano during the start of the regular season. I think a a big, big, big upgrade in net. Say what you will, what happens to his game down the stretch or in the postseason. I think that this is a huge prove-it spot for, for Skiggs. He wants to prove that he's an elite goal. He wants to prove all the doubters wrong. This is an awesome opportunity. And I think with a young guy like Lane Rushka, maybe they're going to be able to, to give – Frankie a couple nights off here and there down the stretch of course if they can afford that down the stretch they might be battling for the playoff lives where they can't give them a night off Las Vegas Desert Dogs will make the playoffs if Landon Kells is in the running for goaltender of the year he had a great first year obviously spent some time in Calgary on the practice roster Uh, Peterborough born and bred has a winning pedigree just from being from Peterborough, has an air about him that he is a winner. If he can become a bona fide number one and put his name in contention, he doesn't have to be a finalist, but just in contention to be goaltender of the year, this team makes the postseason. They don't make the postseason if Jack Hanna has a massive regress in year number two. 18 games, 64 points, really was one of the darlings of the rookies class. If he has a regression and people can figure him out and they can silence that righty side, because it's right now it's only Hannah Hellier and Sean Wesley. If they can silence that right side by limiting Jack Hannah and he has a down year, this team will not make the postseason. The... Vancouver Warriors will make the postseason. If our guest today, Adam Charlambides, crests 70 points this season, I think the defense is there. I, I, I think that they obviously have other guys that can prove that they can score. Keegan Ball, enough said right there. Kyle Killen is, you know, he wakes up in the morning, puts his pants on, and scores at least 25 goals a season where I think that they need is someone to step up on that left side. And I think he is the guy to do it. They miss the postseason If all three goalies play a game this season. Oh, wow. You're really toying with my hot take emotions on that one. I honestly believe and not say just dress, because you play. know to swing it play if Connor O'Toole, Aaron Bold, or Aiden Walsh all play this season, they will not make the playoffs. It's the old adage of if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Well, if you have three goalies, you don't have one. Aaron Bold obviously will probably start with the cage. Yes. If he doesn't take it and run with it, 
this team is in trouble. If he does, this team is going to be a problem for a lot of people. Simple All as right. that. That's uh, why we think they will and won't make the playoffs. Uh, let's keep the positive vibes going. Let's pick it back up a bit. Uh, best stories of the week, and you have a great one. Well, we uh, got to stay positive, right? We got to give them that. Positive vibes only. Yeah, this is this is an awesome, awesome story. Friend of the program, uh, friend of mine, Brandon Robinson of the Buffalo Bandits, is doing something really cool this year. Um, Rob. He will be donating $1 to Morgan's Message, a mental health foundation. Um, every goal scored by every single team in the National Lacrosse League this season. Not just how many goals he scores, not just how many goals the Buffalo Bandits score. One goal for every single goal. $1 goes um, to Morgan's Message. Morgan's Message is a um, foundation, like I said, um, it's uh, in memory of Morgan, who was a Duke lacrosse player. Um, unfortunately, she uh, committed suicide in 2009 at just the age of 22. Um, so their lasting memory of, of Morgan, what they want to do is, is help end this stigma. Uh, and, and so Brandon has uh, collaborated with this great foundation. Um, and uh, it, it's going to bring great awareness. It's going to bring great... Um, you know, funds for this foundation and it overall just a really, really amazing thing for B Rob to do. Um, if you go to Morgan's morgansmessage.org, there's more information there. Uh, and I actually talked to, to B Rob this week. Uh, we're going to get him on the program, uh, within the next couple of weeks, uh, talk about this and, and how it came about and just, just to bring more light to such an awesome thing, um, that, that B Rob's doing here to, uh, this season. Um, if you had to guess, how many goals were scored last year in the National Lacrosse League? I have no idea. I'm not even going to try to Come guess. On. Come on, guess. Uh, I really hope you're going to be like close because you're taking a lot of time with this. 1,005. <laughs> <laughs> no idea like well, i don't know 700 and something 3111 <laughs> 700 pat so i meant to say 7000 sorry but that's still <laughs> not gonna cool. say toronto scored 234 alone halifax had 238 so yeah 3110 goals were scored last year um we all expect there probably to be more this year no no offense to the goal union i think we all kind of now want to see a whole lot of goals scored this season so yeah absolutely great initiative by b rob for a great cause we'll definitely have to get him on the show to talk about it in the next couple of weeks and what it's like being in the robinson family this time of year who's going to get the best presents out of all the kids <laughs> uh my positive vibe this week selfishly it's kind of about uh the group of us the nine of us they get to be on linear tv uh the it's like 15 of us that all get to call games this weekend, ESPN plus TSN plus three games on linear TV, two in Canada. Of course, the doubleheader on TSN Saskatchewan at Halifax then Panther city at Vancouver. And then on Saturday, Philadelphia at New York will be on ESPN. So just a great way to kick off the season. Uh, it's just 
going to feel so good to be back in the arenas, back up in the booths, calling the game for you all. We hope you all tune in wherever you're watching from or wherever you're listening from uh, because the reoccurring theme of the show, it is going to be one of the best seasons to date. And as mentioned, one of those games, Panther City at Vancouver. Adam Charlambides and the Vancouver Warriors are definitely a much different looking team this year. New GM, new head coach, a revamped back line, and maybe a different air about this club. Adam Charlambides joins us right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Coming off a 59-point season in a sophomore campaign, Adam Sherlin Beatties joins us on this week's show ahead of Friday's game. Beats, how are you, brother? Doing great, Teddy. How you doing, bud? Uh, I'm probably almost as excited as you are. Obviously, being on the call is a little different than playing the game, but uh, I know you're itching and raring to go. How has camp been for you this year? Uh, camp's been great. Obviously, you know, a different feel, getting used to some new coaches and um, some new faces this year with probably the largest off-season turnover that I've been a part of so far. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but camp was great. Um, Mouse is really focused, structured, uh, gives you a clear plan of what we're trying to accomplish. And um, a lot of older guys who were leading the way through camp, you know, baller, guys like that. And, um, yeah, he's got the group focused up, ready for our first game, but also kind of in that process mindset, ready to get better each week. So, it's good. How has the learning process been adjusting to Mouse and his style? Uh, it's been great. I mean, uh, you know, when a high caliber coach like that's coming into organization, I think you really, at least as a player, I personally threw on the learning cap and was ready to just be a sponge and soak up as much as possible. And I think a lot of guys took that approach and the group's really bought in and excited to see how far we've come so far through those first four weeks of camp. It's kind of hard not to just keep picking his brain and asking him questions oh yeah for sure i've been uh i gotta get a picture of his notebook or something there's, he's got <laughs> no, he's got some wizardry he, on there oh he does not let anybody go near that thing and he hates when people take pictures i know that firsthand <laughs> that's good to know that's good yeah to know. speaking of that notebook mouse is very systematic and he does have a ton of plays and situational stuff but what we've all grown to know about Mouse is that he doesn't throw it all at you at one time. He slowly builds it as a process. So it's been a lot of walkthroughs and drilling the fundamentals. Has that been a bit of a different change for you? Um, yes and no. Um, I would say I had a similar coach in college who was very systematic offensively, and it was very much an off-ball flow offense. Obviously, the box and field game are different, but similar ideas can kind of cross over there um but yeah definitely a different training camp than what we had last year we had a lot more crashing and banging last year and a lot more systematic learning this year so it was good so let's talk about the guys that you have brought in and and let's start out the front kevin crowley has been around this game for a long time and you talk about leadership and, and guys that you want to be a sponge towards What's it like seeing a guy of that caliber across the floor from you? Uh, I mean, it's epic. I got a pre-existing relationship with Kev. I've coached with him a bunch out here in BC. Um, and then he actually coached me in the fall classic uh, Team Canada stuff this past fall. Um, so that was pretty cool. But I mean, definitely, co- well, I mean, I watched him growing up. He's clearly a great, I remember watching him when he was with the Nationals and the MLL. 
Um, and then just like coaching alongside him, you really get to hear how well thought out he is and how much he knows the game. And um, it's pretty evident how much he helped that uh, San Diego offense last year and how much um, he was moving bodies and getting guys open at really key moments of the game. Um, you know, I think of that one nation's look they had to win a game. I forget who they were playing. It was a one goal game, but Crowley just plows two guys, gets Dixon wide open underneath. And, um, you know, he's been doing that for baller and some other guys. So it's really cool to see, you know, a guy that big, that smart and that skilled is just constantly making plays and just excited to be on his team and pick his brain. You mentioned obviously some of the changes on the offense. Um, you can't deny or can't not but you know have the defense just pop out when you look at that roster some completely different changes uh and you probably had a pretty good close-up look at it during training camp um how big how fast how strong is this defense well Mel's brought in some big bodies and uh being a lefty has been pretty hard through camp I mean you got Darren <laughs> down Lentz beers and mitski as your top three covering that side so uh throw on an extra fiber for a bulk of training camp there uh but no i mean like you said i mean they're big they're fast they're skilled a bunch of those guys have cups like lince is one beers is one dilks is one um so yeah just you know trying not to fanboy asking them that what did it feel like to win collecting <laughs> but at the same time you know we're all chasing that thing, and fuck, is it cool to hear? Sorry, not to swear. It's all right. <laughs> uh, it's all right. It is cool to hear. Uh, it is cool to hear guys describe like what that feeling was, and truly like what it took, and kind of like, you know, just again hearing someone who's done it is pretty unique, right, and special in sports. So, when when you look at that group and and talk about the champion championships they bring in, but they're <clears> also very vocal. Has it been a different voice around the room? Yeah, I think, you know, across any team, you want to have all your older leaders speaking up at the right times just because they've probably gone through that exact situation at a previous camp or at least something similar where they kind of have already had that lesson. Um, so, yeah, it's been a really good, you know, Cappy's still Cappy. He's leading the way. Uh, yeah. But uh, we've definitely had those experienced guys who have come in and really voiced their opinions. And they're also just great teammates. I mean, Dilksy, uh, you know, we had our last training camp there and, you know, it's simple stuff, even like when we're at like an arcade, just like getting guys to all play the same game together. And like, you know, because that off the floor stuff goes a long way. Right. So um, to even see that. Right. Because they're just great dads off the floor too, all those guys. And it's really cool to see the way they interact with some of the young guys as well. Because I'm kind of like in the middle mix of young and old. Right. So, <laughs> you know, with losing uh, Mitch Jones and then Logan Chuss this past off season, this is a, a pretty big opportunity for you to kind of grab the bull by the horns and, and, and be one of those top lefties. Um, what did you focus on this off season to, you know, hit the ground running um, when you get that opportunity come this weekend? Um, nothing overly unique. Um, I think since my college injuries back in 2017, 2018, the, consistent goal has been get a little bit more athletic each off season. Um, so I checked the box on that. I worked with a track coach again in New Jersey for right six to eight weeks and just tried to put a little bit more speed, you know, iron out some things. Uh, I'm sure a lot of guys are facing the same things where you've rolled your ankle or your shoulders been bumped a little bit. So just doing some rehab on the small little naggy stuff and um, yeah, just 
trying to be as consistent as possible, right? You don't need to do anything special. It's just stacking four to five days a week and trying to be consistent. How, how did the PLL season continue to keep you in shape? Because you didn't have a, such a long layoff between seasons. You were constantly playing. You've had, you know, 10, 15 weeks off to really recoup. But playing a full year of lacrosse, how did the body handle after all you've been through? Uh, body handled it great. I mean, I only got in two out of the 10 PLL games. Um, so it actually was a pretty lengthy off season per se, even though I was preparing each week as if I was going to play, but right. you know, it gives you an extra lift kind of Friday, Saturday when you know you're not in the lineup. So, uh, I was trying to just do my best and, you know, hone that energy in the right way, as opposed to taking the weekend off and just golfing or hanging with the boys all weekend. But, um, at the same time, it's the summer. So you got to have some balance in your off season so you can really lock in for season as well. Right. You know, you've, you've been with this team for, for two years now. And, and, you know, even from when the Warriors returned to downtown, um, you could feel like the momentum is building. Um, even despite some struggles last year, it seemed like the crowd consistently still came out. How cool is it to see that each year more and more momentum's building? And again, I'm not out there right now, but it feels like there's some buzz around the city with the season. Obviously, Mouse coming in, the new look defense. It, it feels like the momentum's headed in the right place in Vancouver. Absolutely. I mean, Mouse is a, a known name here in uh, BC, right? With all the years he's done in Coquitlam and everything he's done. So that created initial buzz right away, right off the hop. And then um, I know Beersy's a home uh, homestead name here, right? He used to have the the main bobblehead that was given out. And I remember, I think Lady and Bowering said something on media the other day. They still have that bobblehead from when they were kids. So that was, yeah, I remember that. That was pretty funny. Um, but I mean, I think it goes, you know, you got to tip your cap to management a bit because across the board, the, Canucks sports right like the Canucks are having some buzz this year you're seeing the growth with the Warriors and that kind of comes top down from their efforts and you know they're bringing the right pieces to do that and it's honestly it's exciting and I've been checking the seating map every couple of days and the home owner is starting to look pretty good so should be a good crowd are you a big Canucks guy now uh, I'm originally a Leafs guy but I think I uh, <laughs> once you come west and you know you're going to the Canucks game you got to cheer for them as well so yeah, I'm. Uh, I got a Canucks jersey, and I'm definitely a fan as well. But when they're facing each other, it's a that's a tough decision. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Any name on the back? Is it what? What jersey is it? Uh, just a generic. No. Oh name. come on! You at least got to get a name. <laughs> yeah, that's bad style. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, what What are the expectations you put on yourself coming into year three? Um, I think as going into year three i've kind of removed the product goals uh, as much you know I, I know some guys like to put that in their contract hit this number or that number um but you know with the with the lineup we have and the position i'm in being the number one lefty uh, i just really want to focus on more of just being in the moment um i've really started to find my i don't know confident in the moment type lacrosse throughout last year um and like i kind of have college as a reference point to like my highest confidence and being in the moment um and i'm almost back at that point and i'm really still working on that mental side and really just focus on being in the moment playing my hardest and just letting my love for lacrosse and compete show through because um i'm gonna get a ton of opportunity i know the ball is gonna be my stick mouse was pretty transparent about that and 
it's just about shooting your shot the way you shoot it without thinking about it. And then just, you know, being in the moment, making those passes when you see sticks and, you know, can't be worrying about any turnovers, nothing like that, no numbers. And you just got to kind of be in the moment. And yeah, I'm excited. It's, I know it's a big year coming up and that's why I'm kind of just leaving it to process goals and that mental side. You, you mentioned their names when you're talking about the defense, but, um, We'll start with Owen Grant first, but Lady and Grant seem like two young guys that are going to probably play a pretty prominent role in this defense. We'll start with OG. Uh, what do you see from him besides obviously what you look at him with the big size? What tell what makes you believe that this guy's going to be you know a key contributor for this team in his first year? Uh, I mean, if you watch his uh, some of his PLL film, you know he had a pretty great showing out in is uh, the other pro leagues, so. Um, I think he'll be just fine in terms of any nerves or jitters at the pro level. And he's played at the world stage too. So he's, you know, he's faced that top level talent. And I think it's facing top level guys gives you like a next level uh, understanding of high level footwork, you know, and not being able to give an inch anyway. And uh, I'm excited to really see his confidence rise year to year. Cause I think he can really be a transitional piece once he really gets going. So yeah, he's a big boy and he, <laughs> he's going to lay some wood. <laughs> And Lady, I think maybe was a, a a guy that kind of really broke onto the scene the last summer, um, but you know he goes pretty early for you guys in this year's draft, and and he makes the team. Uh, what have you like from his game so far uh, in training camp? Uh, just one of those high motor, young, athletic players. You know, um, can run for days. Doesn't even seem like he gets tired. Um, you know, looks like he's been in the weight room for ten plus years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he fits the mold, he runs hard and yeah, he, the more he can learn that positional stuff from the vets and really dial in two man stuff, I could see him being a huge piece running in transition as well. He's got the athleticism to do it. So yeah, he, he, the kid is an absolute specimen. I can't wait for him to get on the big stage and for people to see what he can actually do. Um, I want to look to the future real quick. Um, you guys bring in Peyton Cormier and Brock Haley next year. I, I know we don't like to look forward and all that stuff. And, and game one is literally 48 hours away, but the prospect of adding those two guys just shows that Kurt is really trying to do the right things and build this team through the draft. You look at yourself bowering Owen grants now, and this is a team that that's not, you know, it's, it's not the old warriors anymore. It's gotta be excited for what the future holds. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, high profile skill that those guys are showing at the level they're at makes them really promising for the upcoming future. And, um, you know, mouse clearly has a successful track record through building skilled quality picks and, you know, looking at a guy's character and yeah, excited for what's down the road, but we'll, uh, we'll zoom into Friday here. <laughs> okay. So Friday it is, uh, Panther city is obviously a very well coached club. Uh, they never give you an easy shift. They're going to be in your face all night long. How much has been stressed about winning the little battles Friday night? Yeah, that's a part of Mouse's MO, you know, outworking the opponent, winning the ground ball battle, stuff like that. Uh, I think one thing we really got to note is how strong their transition group is. Even more, you know, Medeiros already had some great numbers last year himself, mm -hmm. but adding Gilray, adding Goodwin, um, I think that's another two guys you got to be worried about running up the floor. So um, I think our defense is going to be extremely strong five on five, and I think offense if we take a really strong responsibility to not letting ourselves lose that transition battle and if we can get one or two out of the back end we'll be all right so 
that's one thing we're really going to harp on though is not letting those guys run all right man i appreciate you uh i know it's a, a busy week you got media appearances i'm sure you're on tv and radio all week long uh but uh we'll see you friday good luck and thanks for your time brother thanks for the times fellas we'll see you friday all right, there's Beatty's. Uh, great talking to him. Uh, you can just tell how fired up he is to get at this thing. It's, yeah, it, you can really hear just the enthusiasm in his voice talking about this group, talking about the season, uh, and even just the game this weekend, getting ready to roll. Um, but the one thing I, I really, you know, it's very evident that, you know, he's been around Kurt Miloski for what, maybe two, three four weeks now a month like <laughs> it's he, he, the impact has already been there. like you can hear the way he talks about his coach that he's already made a, a positive impact towards his game as a player uh, as a teammate it that just kind of goes to show you why Vancouver went out and got their guy um, because when you look at a guy like Adam Charlene Beatty Beatty's size athleticism skill like the potentials there you got to try to unlock that next step and i think um confidence is one thing and i think opportunity is another and i think malowski you know really realizes that and i think the opportunity is there um and i said it when we were talking about will they won't they make the playoffs uh, i think if they do make the playoffs this year he's gonna have to play a big role in that i think one of the the cool things about mouse is in the article that Steve Ewan did on him for the Vancouver province out here. And he said, you know what? This was a great decision for me and my family just to be closer to home. But it's also, he felt he needed to do it for the lower mainland lacrosse community mm -hmm. because it, it, it means so much here. It'd be like if the Toronto Rock were just continually floundering, you know that there'd be some guys that, that, needed and wanted to go back there to right the ship and it just means so much to kurt and it means so much to the vancouver market it means so much to the national cross league that the warriors are a competitive top end team and just the the mood around this team is different the the culture has truly changed we talked about that many many times with this franchise they needed a culture change it was a little too country clubbish Guys were, you know, they'd go to morning shoot around and they'd just be going, driving around town, hanging out with their friends, giving out tickets and stuff like that. There was never that urgency to stay in game mode. And I think it hurt this organization because the guys were a little too close to home and they didn't really understand what it meant to have to put the proper product on the floor. So, so many good things going in the right direction for this Vancouver franchise. Love talking with BDs. Um, I expect big things from him. Uh, he looked great in training camp and it's not his team. It's not ballers offense. It's the Vancouver Warriors offense, but I'm excited to see what this group will do. Uh, we teased it last week. Uh, so let's get into it. Um, Preseason awards. First off, I can see you typing in your answers as we do this, but what's the hardest one to pick? Do you think? I think they're they're all really tough to be quite frank. I I just to me, I think you it's only agree on three. Well, I I'll, full disclosure when we get into it, I'll tell you there's a few that I'm I'm just choosing to 
just just for for sake of the program. Okay. Um, but yes, there isn't as as much crossover as maybe I thought there would be. I think the toughest one is coach. Yeah. I, I think that because co- like for coach of the year, it's tough to just pick and you know just pick the number one seed or the number two seed. Usually, coach of the year is the team that you know missed the playoffs the year before previous years. Um, you know got in you know who got the most out of their team you know yeah. um th- those type of things i i'm having a hard time figuring out who's who's in my top eight so like the like and and i just don't see a coach of the year um being someone who missed the playoffs i although we saw that with tk in year one yep. um, with panther city i just don't know if we see that again so no. for me i think that's the tough one but you look at mvp i think there's five six guys you can make an argument for yeah. um you look at defensive player of the year probably five guys that you look at transition player of the year, yeah you probably can narrow it down to two three guys maybe <laughs> depending on who you ask rookie one two three maybe um goalie again three four ish but i don't know man this is this the fact that it's so hard to pick preseason awards just goes yeah. to show you how much talent there is in this league all right um Ford of the year isn't an actual award. We're putting it in there because we're still pleading with the National Lacrosse League to make this an actual award so that it opens up the MVP for more guys, whether the Fords, defenders, goaltenders, doesn't matter. Um, but we both think that Jeff Teed is going to be the best offensive guy in the National Lacrosse League. I don't think too many people would argue with that, but I think, you know, a healthy Josh Byrne all season. What can he do? What does Jonathan mm-hmm. Donville do in his second season? Uh, does Dane Smith continue to um, blow numbers out of the water? But I think what Jeff T just continually does, and it, he makes it look so smooth and so silky. I put that tweet out uh, onto one of the New York Riptide videos they put out on Twitter. And I said, it just, he's like shooting a three quarter shot or like a half speed pass into the corner. And he's got Rylan Hartley guessing it, it just so easy for him. You ever watch him on uh, like a, a penalty shot? He never shoots it hard. He never even sprints. Like the guy just makes it look so easy. So I think we can both agree that Jeff Teat will be the number one offensive player in the league. We both agree that Mitch Jones will be MVP. I'll give you the floor. I think that when you look at Philadelphia and you look at where they were last year, where they are this year, I think if you believe that Philly's going to make the playoffs and you take the sample size from last year, and I think you could even have made an argument that Mitch Jones could have possibly been in him. If he's on Philly all year. Yeah. He maybe is an MVP last year. Mm-hmm. I think he's poised for an unreal season. That offense is going to score a lot of goals. And I think that if Philly makes the playoffs, he's going to be a big reason for it. That's why I I put him there. Um, yeah. And it's not just the goals, um, not just the assists. He's a menace on, on loose balls. He's going to be a, you know, he's a guy that can ride turn the ball over, get caused turnovers, go back in reverse transition if needed. Um, He's the heartbeat of that offense. He's the heartbeat of that team. And I think he's going to have a massive year. I haven't seen it yet. Who was their captain last year? I kind of think of who their captain was. Moose? 
Yeah. So does do you think Jonesy gets the C? Good good question. I don't know what they're going to do with with that leadership group. I mean, they've got a lot of great op, uh, options. Um Yeah. It sounds like all all indications show that he's taking a, a you know big leader leadership role. He's uh you know Paul Day mentioned that he f- you know, said it's like having an extra coach out there sometimes yeah. the way that yeah. he commands that room commands that floor. So uh, I haven't seen anything come across, correct yeah, us if, if we're wrong, but my um, heck, that would be a good, a good choice. If, if that's the, the Avenue they went with uh, defender of the year. Uh, I'm going Graham Hossick just to continue his hold on the award. Um, I think we all know who you're going to pick, but Brad tell me why he actually deserves it. And he's going to get it this year. He deserves it because year after year, he's in the top five, top three for cause turnovers. Um, he consistently in the top 10 for loose balls. But if you also just take the the eye test out of it, he's going up against, you know, one of, if not the top offensive threat, like he will go on his wrong side sometimes yeah. to go up uh, against the toughest check. Um, the way that he, is able to turn that ball over with that one hand on his stick, the clamp down. It's, it's very similar to the Kyle Rubish one-handed check that he does. He's so physically imposing. He's starting to add a little more transition to his game. His big fault is that, you know, Mitch Disnew had a career year two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and then Latrell Harris had yeah. a career year two seasons prior, which I thought that Latrell Harris well-deserved. I thought it probably he more transition based off the stats that yes. he had. But then again, yeah. he is a phenomenal defender as well. So I think he is the reason why he hasn't won this thing yet is because one, he's got great teammates, teammates that steal some votes, but two, um, I, I, I think that uh, one of his teammates and even the year Disnew won defender of the year, he got a ton of votes for transition as well because of the yeah. numbers he put up. So I think this is the year. Uh, they're going to be without Luttrell, so he's going to have to play an even bigger role uh, out the back door. I know Disnew is back, um, but Disnew and Rogers will play more of a transitional role, whereas Cree will be that shutdown guy. Uh, in transition, um, we have the two guys who have won the last four awards. Uh, I'm taking Zach Curry. You're taking Challen Rogers. Truthfully, flip a coin. It's mm-hmm. a two-horse race. Like there'll be some other guys that will get some contention. Like there'll be someone who has a year like Josh Medeiros who, you know, a lot of people rave and and think, Oh man, that was a great season. You know, he led the league with goals, but is he top three in loose balls? Is he top three in cause turnovers? Is he putting up 40 points? That's when you get into the elite of the elite in transition. And I think that's Curry and Rogers full stop. Um, Rookie of the year. I, I talked with both Kurt Miloski and Sean, not Sean Williams, Rob Williams uh, this week ahead of the game. And I want I asked them, you know, what is the ceiling for Owen Grant? And they said the sky is the limit for this kid. Kurt Miloski gave him attributes, broke a lot of his attributes down and likened them to some of the greats in our game right now. But the one thing Rob Williams said to me, and I said, who would you compare him to? And he said the first thing that popped into his head was Taylor Ray. And he said when Taylor Ray was playing for Calgary, he was an absolute meat horse out there. 
couldn't get around him. He closed gaps. He was in your hands. He took down passing lanes. He was physical and mean and in your face. That's exactly what Owen Grant is going to be. Now, he may get lost in some of the bigger names within that Vancouver defense, but the fact that, like Charlotte Beattie said, there's so many strong names on that right-handed side that Owen Grant being a lefty, he might get a lot more spotlight on that side of the floor dealing with some of the top right-handers in our league. And I think that will allow him to shine and win rookie of the year, despite there being some unreal offensive talent coming into the league this year, Knox, Sheridan, Simmons, McConvey, uh, Dylan Watson. Uh, There's some unbelievable offensive guys out there. And one of those guys could definitely and easily win this, but I think Owen Grant is going to shine. Well, how fitting is that he compares him to Taylor Ray, considering Ray won the rookie of the year award in 2004. It's Mm -hmm. kind of fitting. And the last one to defender to do that since um, I believe Jake Withers in in 2018 was the last Mm -hmm. one that we saw. Um, And again, the numbers help uh, these forwards. And, you know, a lot of the times these players that come in um, be just due to the fact that top picks teams tend to draft offensive players. So it kind of works that way. But at the same time, I feel like, just the D guys in the rookie year get a little bit disrespected. Yeah. But for me, um, I don't think you're going to be able to disrespect this guy for, for very yeah. long and, and put put his play uh, behind you. You talk about all the, you know, the the tangibles, his size, his skill, his athleticism. The, the thing that I know that is going to make him special is the intangibles as well. His will to win, yeah. his his – competitive nature his the way he thinks the game and to be quite honest he's a great teammate great person and i think you 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 put that all together it makes for a great pro he's not only going to be up there for rookie of the year he's going to be up there for a defensive player of the year in the future probably won't happen for a couple years but before it's all said and done that's how good this guy could possibly be uh goaltender of the year i've got delbs repeating but for you, is this Nick Rose, kind of like Brad Cree, finally getting over the hump, much like a lot of people in the GTA hope the Toronto Rock get over the hump? I, I think so. I think it's a big part of that. I also, this here, remember I said there was ones that I kind of just changed my answer. Yeah. This is one of them. I think this is Delb's award to lose, and I think he could go on a run here uh, of just winning award after award after award so um my one a or one b pick i guess you could say is nick rosen for those reasons i think if you know i i really do think that if you if you think toronto is going to be a top three team they're going to win a lot of games and if they're going to win a lot of games nick rose is going to play a big role in that uh this is where you said it kind of got tough coach of the year and you have to kind of figure out and think about why uh you've got Oh, are you changing it now? I'm changing it. I, you know what? No, 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 I'm not going to change it. I'll stick to my guns. I was going to change it. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm going to go with, and this just goes to show you how difficult it is. Cause I think there's, but it goes to your point of why you're choosing it. Exactly. I'm going to go with Mike Kersey. I think that this group, this team realizes that the window is closing not necessarily on the team itself in terms of winning a championship, but this group together, Cody Jamison, 
Ryan Banesh, we don't know how many more years these guys have left in the mm-hmm. tank. This is a team that, you know, since they came to Halifax, championship caliber team, a championship team, championship admirations. Uh, they haven't been able to put a full season together. You know, in the playoffs against the Toronto Rock, haven't been able to put a full 60 minutes together. They lose to Toronto. There could be a, an easy way that this team loses faith, thinks like, okay, we're just not getting this done. For them to make the playoffs this year, they are going to have to deal with the ebbs and the flows of an NLL team. And I think a big reason of that is the coach. And I think Akurzi has an opportunity here. But that being said, there's probably another five, six guys. The other guy I was going to say that I did write down, I took it away, Paul Day. Um, Again, similar thing. When you look at a team that missed the playoffs, now they're in. Um, I, I think Day... Again, similar to to Kersey, like is his seat feeling a little hot if if they don't make the playoffs? Possibly. Yeah. I, I mean, this is a team again as well that that they said that you know they were going to build through the draft. They were going to build through their. They had a great expansion draft, um, but they're not an expansion team anymore. Like they, they're years removed. This is an organization that when you look at them on paper, they should be taking the next step. And I think Paul Day has has the right pieces in order. And I think that he's going to have these guys playing hungry. And that's why I think he could be in this conversation as well. Uh, I'm going to stay in the East, quote unquote. Um, I'm going to go with John Tavares. And the reason I'm going with JT, now everyone's, oh, you know, he's – took his team to the championship and they were the number one seed. Well, I think if he can repeat that championship or not, if they can still be a top team, the top team, one of the top three teams after, you know, the, the possible championship hangover. Um, what did you just send me? I didn't do anything. I don't know what just happened. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Someone sent me balloons on my screen. That was weird. Um, I think with the, the the you know the all the talk of is there going to be a championship hangover, the injuries, um, you know, now having to do a lot more travel. I think if this team continues to be as successful as they are, JT will get that recognition, much like a Cree or a Rose. You know, he's been continually up there as one of the best coaches in our league, and if he can keep the Buffalo Bandits at the top of that of this league then i really think that john Tavares will earn coach of the year just because it's it's hard enough to repeat it's hard enough to keep your team at the top and he's just consistently done it year after year after year he split it with his co-coach rich kilgore back in 2019 but i think again if he does it all this year he gets his first solo the other guy that i was going to say is the guy that I think wins GM of the year, and that's Kurt Miloski. If if Vancouver can win 10 games and make the playoffs, for all those reasons you were talking about, a team that didn't, he gets the most out of his club, gets him into the postseason, much you know like we've seen in the past with uh, TK, I think Kurt Miloski will definitely get some votes mm-hmm. if he really turns this Vancouver team around, um, I, which is why, yeah. I was going to say, I... I I that was another guy that I had in my list of 
six, seven guys. Yeah. The thing though, I think unfortunately for him is the fact that he won it the year before. Maybe that, you know, you get the fatigue, like we don't want to vote for him again. Um, that's the only reason why I think maybe he wouldn't, but then again, it would almost speak more volumes because look what he's been able to do. Gets on a new team, brings them in the playoffs. All the more reason. I think Tavares is a great point and, and I'll be trying to be quick on this one, but I do like the pick with Tavares because a lot of people just assume with a good team, you don't really have to do a lot of coaching. Yeah. In fact, there's, you know, he, you, you got to keep level heads. There's only one ball to go around. You got to get them to buy into that team, that system. And things could go like things could have gone real self with that Buffalo team with all those injuries. They could have been like, you know what? Hands up. This just isn't meant for us. And if they don't win a championship, this roster could be completely different. Yeah. But he kept the team together. He kept that belief going. And I, I think that's, and just because they're so good, those coaches just don't get the respect they deserve. It's yeah, similar to why, you know, an Andy Reid, um, you know, doesn't have as many coaching of the year or a Bill Belichick doesn't because yeah. over the year, you just expect it. You kind of yeah, expect exactly. it. With um, no coaches won coach of the year back to back. Oh, so that might be a little, but in speaking, like if, if he takes a team to a 13 and five record, like he did with Calgary wins coach of the year, and then comes to a Vancouver team that was four and fourteen and completely turns them around. Like that's a huge, yeah, right. That's a huge thing to do. So it'll be interesting. Um, and then GM of the year, like I said, with all the moves he's already of done, course. um, and bringing in now, it often depends. You know, if it doesn't turn into success, then maybe those moves weren't as successful. But again, if this team is now maybe five hundred and bubbling on the playoffs, then I think you got to look at what Moloski has done with this group. It's, it's hard to argue. I mean, if they get in, like how, how do you not at least have them on your ballot? Another guy that I think if they take that next step, Jamie Dowick, man, like he, last year he went out, built, continued to build his defense. Like mm-hmm. he wanted that team to be built from the back end. Well, he great defense, they go up against Buffalo and the offense just kind of fizzled out. Tom Schreiber gets hurt. Where's the depth? What does he go out and do? Goes, grabs Mark Matthews, that lefty that they've been pretty much looking for since what Jones. And yeah. okay. I'm not done there. I'm also going to grab Chris Bushy. Now, mind you, all indications say that maybe Halifax knocked on their door because of his, his working situation, but Hey, he still went out and, and grabbed another depth right. Like he has built this team. It's championship or bust. And I think if they win a championship, and I know this is only a regular season award, but if they win a championship, you, you're going to obviously look at Bushi. You're going to look at Lintner. You're going to look at Matthews and say, wow, those guys did play a big role in the reason why they want a title. All right. Well, I'm sure oh, you got one. Sorry, sorry. No, no. And let's not forget because I wanted to bring this up last week, but now that he's officially on the team, Justin Martin as well. He may have, Ooh. he might have, and then maybe this is my hot take. That might be the find or the signing of the year. Okay. Justin okay. Martin, folks, if you don't know much about him, and not the Justin Martin from Buffalo, although I do love his game as well. <laughs> Justin Martin from Six Nations. 
had an up close and personal look at him at the Prezies. This guy is an absolute machine, athletic, fast, another transitional piece for this rock team. And from what I've seen, from what I've heard, he did nothing but give that coaching staff and give Jamie Dowick. They weren't allowing him not to make that or he, his play. He made sure that he made that team. He just all over the floor, getting up in transition. And I think when it all said and done, you're going to look at that as a street free agent and be like, wow, what a signing. So I see your uh, NLL Jersey journey down here and I've been staring at it while you wax poetically. And I can't, I got to say, I'm a little, I'm miffed. Not even any guesses. I'm not yet. Would you like a clue? I don't know yet. Let's tell the people where we're at here. Okay. They can't so, see our, our notes. <laughs> well, that also would help. Great point. <laughs> our NLL Jersey journey begins with the New York Titans. New York Titans. Okay. So maybe that clears some things. Then from the Titans, they traveled to the Blazers of Boston. What? To the Minnesota Swarm. And then the career ended. So that's a clue there. I didn't mean to, but you got yourself a free clue. Yeah. The career ended in Georgia. New York, Boston, Minnesota, Georgia. I'm trying to think who went from New York to Boston and is retired. New York, Boston, Minnesota. It's not Greg Downing. Not Greg Downing. It's not our boy Mitchie B. It is our what? boy Mitchie B. Is it yes. Mitchie B? It is. 2008 oh, in he New York. Started in New York, right? For one season, played three years from 09 to 11 in Boston, then from 12 to 15 in Minnesota, and then finished his career. 16 and 17 in Georgia. Shame on you for I'm not so knowing. Sorry. Shame I on you. In New York. I know he had the the hit heard around the world on Jared Clark. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. forgot he played 12 games for the Teton. Huh. Good one, Pat. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Um, all right. You're on a hot streak. Uh, let's try to get everyone else on a hot streak. We gave them the option. They got to choose the parlay. So let's get into it. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> the polls in, the results in, whatever you want to say, the, the fine folks, the cool bettors have spoken uh rochester which i was kind of surprised plus two and a half um not surprised that that the roughnecks are favorites but plus two and a half um on the what uh ball line the stick line the rubber line the rubber i don't mind the rubber line it's it's not a run line it's it's not a puck line it's it's something but we'll we'll work on that it's a line like the rubber line it's a line (laughs) Riptide plus one and a half, Rush plus one and a half. Put those three together, 
before the boost plus 557 that means our fine friends at cool bet they'll give us a little boost you'll get a better price um when you once that's up we'll tweet it out uh, we'll have it on our socials but in the meantime while you're listening it's probably going to be up there already so click that exclusive tabs you'll see all the exclusives there go down to otcb parlay and it'll be right there for you uh, for all your betting needs but speaking of betting needs teddy yeah. game lines are up yes. We've got some futures as well do we want to go over just maybe quickly the game lines for this week yeah give her bud all righty so uh obviously starts things off the rush in halifax taking on the t-birds the t-birds favorites at minus 172 the rush at plus um 140 uh the Total for that game, 23 and a half. Uh, the next game, the Firewolves, the Desert Dogs. The Desert Dogs are favorites at minus 125. Albany plus 103 on the money line. Uh, the total at that one, a really low one. Um, mm-hmm. 21 and a half bookmakers thinking that the goalies are going to show out in that one. Uh, then in your game, Panther City, the favorites on the road we got the warriors as the home dogs plus 106 uh pclc minus 128 that total set at 23 and a half actually if you like for goals uh to be in that one it's actually plus 105 to the over minus 132 we're not believing in the mouse effect eh i guess not i guess not uh the next day on Saturday, two games, the Roughnecks, as mentioned, pretty heavy favorites, minus 200. Uh, and Brad and Jake were talking on their pod this week. Um, well, Brad, sorry, uh, filling in for Tino, but Brad was talking. Um, don't have the number in front of me, but uh, Calgary historically has really struggled in Rochester. So something to keep in mind there, uh, a place, a building that they haven't been able to figure out over their history. Um if you think history will repeat itself, maybe you want to bet the Nighthawks plus 162 total for that one, uh, 22 and a half. Uh, the Wings minus 130, uh, visiting the Riptide plus 108, and the total on that one, 23 and a half. I would be responsibly hammering the over <laughs> in that one. Um, but uh, looking at Rock- some of the few, sorry, Calgary go ahead. is uh, all time, both Rochester teams. Seven and ten all time. Oh, and two against the new Nighthawks. Well, there you go. See, so uh, those are your game lines. There will be player props available for those. You can also go in, click a little right now. It says plus six. By the time this is live, there'll probably be even more options, but click that little number. You'll see the popular tab. Uh, you can go to winner. Um, so that will give you your alternate spread, your money lines. You can have your totals. Um, there will also be the mixed, which I know is quite popular. Um, so if you want to bet a money line and a total together um, to parlay that, those are the pre-made parlays that's in the mixed. And then, of course, you can bet the first half money line or the total on that. Uh, head into the futures. We went over some of them already, so we don't need to really dive into the player props uh, that much. But there are a couple of specials. Talked about how we were going to add a couple more. Mm-hmm. Um Player to record the most regular season loose balls, Zach Courier, plus 175, Jake Withers, plus 210, Reed Bowery, plus 400, Trevor Baptiste, plus 650, 
TD Erlen, uh, 11 to 1. Ryan Tarafenko, 22 to 1. I think that might be my value bet. Uh, Jeremy Thompson, 32 to 1. Mike Messenger, 35 to 1. And Graham Hosick, 45 to 1. Any of those jump at you? I think, obviously, Courier, uh, heavy favorite there, but mm. anyone else really looking like um, for you? I think Baptiste could have a number, but mm. you know, I. No, I take it back. Curry <laughs> just plays way too much to not win this. Yeah, just I like I could see like a Bowering, I or could see Terry yep. or a mess getting in there before even a Withers before. Like I just think Courier wins that. Um, I, I think with, with that too, it's like you, you look for Wiz plus two ten value's not great. Um, so when you look like Bowering at plus four hundred, the only thing that scares good. me is. When you look at, like you said, Courier, obviously he he's a freak. Um, but Withers takes straws. Baptiste actually takes straws. So yeah. um, the thing though with Withers is a knock is he wins a lot of draws directly to spots. Yeah, and Terrafanko, yeah, it's he wins it, gets it over to Terrafanko, or gets it over to Haas. Yeah, sure, he wins a lot of loose balls to himself. Um, but you know, depending on who he's going up against. Sometimes it's it's a strategy that way. Speaking of face-offs, yeah, player to win the most regular season heavy favorite, heavy favorite minus one thirty-nine. Trevor Baptiste next at plus one seventy-five. The Nard Dog Joe, Joe Nardella eleven to one. Titi Erlin fifteen to one, and Tim Edwards thirty to one. Is there a point on betting anyone else, or is yeah. Wiz gonna take? It? Ah, I thought so. I thought so. Well. <laughs> Yeah, again, you got to play everybody once, a couple teams twice. But, yeah, I think wins, Wiz seals that deal. Seals still your favorites at plus 450, followed by the Bandits and Rock at plus 550. Halifax, Philly, Colorado, Calgary, Vancouver, plus 1,400. Riptide, plus 1,600. Again, coolbet.com is the place to go. You can find the lacrosse tab. Uh, join along. Participate in our parlay. Help out the fellows at Lax Class with their parlay. Join the fun. If you're new, hit that subscribe tab. Use the OTCB promo code. Friends of Cool Bet will double your initial bet up to $200 or deposit up to $200 uh, and have some fun. And as always, Patty, stay cool. Bet responsibly. All right. That is it. Uh, how many more hours till chowder? Oh God! I, you know what? By the time this podcast drops, I might already have a chowder. I might already have a chowder in me. Um, I can't wait, man! I cannot. I, I might have two bowls this week. Are you I might gonna, get a little crazy. Are you gonna do what Jonesy did and go chowder half club? Oh half yeah, BLT? yes. I I did see that. Um, Not Mitch Jones fr- for those wondering. Yes, yes. Rob Josie, a uh, friend of the program, um, veteran move, went half sandwich, BLT, I think it was, or a club, mm-hmm. with the chowder. I think I'm going to have to do that maybe for my lunch yeah. on game day. I like that. Oh, quickly, talk about the service at Cool Bet. We've yeah. already got the parlay up. Before we even f- finish hitting record, we got the parlay up. The fellows worked on it quick. Um Plus six twenty five, and that. don't forget, 
Yeah. Don't forget, you still have time to bet the season-long parlay as well. Burn yeah. over 44 and a half goals. Q, one of three and a half points. And Roughnecks to win uh, 10 plus games. Uh, I'm looking forward to what the chef has on store at Rogers Arena Friday night. Best yes. pregame meeting meal Incredible. in the league. Jealous. Jealous. Um, I'll, don't worry, I'll send you a picture. Especially <laughs> prime rib. Um, lots to talk about. We we glossed through and went over a bunch. So many great storylines coming up for the opening weekend of lacrosse. Five games on tap, including the TSN doubleheader on Friday and an ESPN linear game on Saturday. Enjoy the games. It is going to be a fun season. Maybe even one for the record books. Find him on Twitter at Pete Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on Insta at OTCB podcast. Thanks to our Adam Charlin Beatties for stopping by and giving us some time. And as always, thanks to your loyal listeners for listening. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.